Welcome back to The Catch. On today's episode, we do some catching up, um, including going over our our experience at the 50 Cent concert that we just went to. We then get into some NFL future bets that you might want to tail us on because I think we got some winners. Um, and then we wrap up with a little bit of Misery Corner. Stay tuned to find out what that is. Enjoy. So to start off today's episode, I want to start with a little feedback I got. Um, just by word of mouth, I've heard a lot of good stuff about the the food draft we did and just our last episode in general. Um, so in one of my group chats with my boys, we were talking about the, the food draft that we had. And I got to say, your approval rating on the Apple being the indoor food was pretty low. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, but hey, let, me, let me find this. Excuse this. All right. So, so me, my friend Sam, my friend Derry in this group chat. And uh, so we start talking about the coconut, <laughs> the, the coconut thing. I have to, I have to read these messages to you live right now because I was literally like curled over, pissing my pants <laughs> reading this. So, right. so Derry says, Miles' coconut take was interesting. Has anyone ever actually just sat down and ate a coconut? Is that a thing? Which was kind of my original, my like instant thought too. Um, Cause I didn't know if you're talking about coconut, like, you know, putting a straw in it or something. But, and I think so. Like, I so mean, Sam, I've, never, I've never, I've never had a coconut before. But I think people yeah. are just coconuts plain. So you're going to think this is funny. So Sam said, bro, you have to crack it with a hammer and like shave it. And I said, are coconuts edible? And he said, yeah, they're edible, but you literally need tools in order to eat one. I said, a hammer and a razor. And Derry said, have to break out a fucking chainsaw to eat one. <laughs> Sam sent a picture. He Googled how to open a coconut. So I don't know if you can see on the screen, but you need like a little hammer. Yeah, a hammer. And then like <laughs> a screwdriver. <laughs> so he says, fucking screwdriver and a hammer. And he said, I forgot if he said indoor or outdoor food, but based on what might be the most outdoor food of all time. So either awful take or amazing take. <laughs> and Derry said, easily the most outdoor pick of all time. And I said, you literally need a hard hat and goggles to open it. So solid take. You have to eat it on a construction site. <laughs> and then I said, you need a special, <laughs> a special driver's license to eat a coconut to operate heavy machinery. And there he said, coconut license. You have to sign a waiver at the grocery store before you buy one. <laughs> so a lot funnier in the moment, but this shit was straight jokes in the moment. I was pissing my pants thinking about how to even open up a coconut to eat one. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't realize it was that as far as uh, preparation for it. Because you see like yeah. videos like a coconut's falling out of a tree, it falls on the ground and it cracks open. I think it was just something as easy as that. Or, like, I could be tripping right now, but I th- I'm pretty sure I've seen videos of, like, people just, like, smashing a coconut with their fist and, like, it cracks open. 
I've never seen any shit like that. I mean, maybe maybe that is the case. I've never seen any shit like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't realize everything that went into <laughs> to, to to getting a coconut. But I definitely said it was an outdoor food, so their approval is greatly appreciated. Appreciate the feedback. Um, but anywho, so since we last spoke, what have you been consuming lately? Anything? Anything new and notable? Not too much new. I'm always like I'm almost I'm like an avid or like a consistent like Friday. Check out the uh, check out the new music releases of like what's been coming out. Like there's nothing that that's really been coming out that's uh, that stood out to me. So um, usually I'm not really consuming too much new old stuff. I'm I'm a, I'm a, like a big throwback music listener, or like <clears throat> I'll listen. I'll be listening to like something on shuffle, and then. I'll hear a song or an artist who I, like, I haven't heard of and like, I haven't listened to in a while, and then go, go go back and listen to like a bunch of their old stuff. So that's kind of how I've been uh, for the most part recently. But overall, man, I'm trying to enjoy my last my last days of summer. I got about a month left of summer, month and a half. The dog days. Yeah, yeah. But like we mentioned before, quickly approaching, I think the the, the best season of the year. So. Looking forward to that. We got you. We got you in Philly. How was your experience? Oh, it was awesome. I loved it. Yeah, we never. We haven't mentioned. On, we haven't been on the on the pod since we last saw each other. We we saw yeah. Fifty Cent. Definitely an experience. Um, the fact that he's still touring is awesome. This is apparently the final lap tour, is what it's called. But I yeah, I doubt this is it. You don't uh, think just so? Based on well, I mean, I know the show that we went to. He eclipsed like one million tickets sold on a tour. So you know, however, you bought the tickets. How much were the tickets? If you don't mind saying, forty each for like general admission. And this was at like an outdoor venue, um, yeah. which are like pretty common all over the place. But I feel like when he sell when he plays like arenas and stuff, like he played like the Garden and Barclays and stuff. I'm not, I'm not sure if he played the Garden actually. He definitely played Barclays, but when he sells when he. Uh, when he performs at arenas, I'm sure the tickets are even more expensive than that. Um, so, do the math on that. How much money? So you he's think the money the is the money that he's making is too much to turn down for a future concert? Yeah, future I mean, who knows if he'll do another like solo tour like this? But he's definitely going to be performing again, without a doubt. Performing, yeah. There's too much money to be made. Like, yeah. No, I, I could definitely still see a performer, but I think tour. I, I do, I do think he's done because like he's just tapped into so many other things now, like entertainment with uh, TV shows and movies and executive producing stuff and all his other business ventures. I feel like he, music is kind of like taking a backseat at this point in his career. So um, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a dope experience, but I would be to say I went to his last tour if that is the case. Likewise. And I do think I do think that like the tour lifestyle is probably like taxing on your body. It's just excruciating. Especially yeah. for especially for for like an older an older guy. But I mean the fan he has such a he has such a big fan base, like that shit was much more packed than I was expecting. Like I was expecting a lot more pe- a lot a lot of people to be there, but there was a lot more than I was expecting. Um and the fact that his fan base like yeah, he has fans that are young. But he has fan like people in their forties and thirties and stuff that listen to Fifty back like in his prime. Like there are people 
generally with more money than people in their early 20s. You know what I mean? So like if that's his fan base and they have a little bit more, you know, disposable income, it just makes sense to to keep doing shows. I haven't looked at the rest of his tour dates, but I'm sure he's going to do a, you know, an international tour. Yeah. Go abroad for some tour dates and stuff. But overall, it was a great experience. I uh, wasn't in Philly for that long. Definitely got to go back soon. The bar that we went to, shout out. Forgot what it was called, but had a Garage. good time there. Garage, yeah. Over Overall great experience besides the very end of it where I got a, or not got a flat, realized I had a flat as I was pulling out of your house. Thankfully, I was just leaving your house and I wasn't on the highway or anything like that. But all in all, great, great experience. Um I've watched a few things recently, a couple documentaries. Did you see that they put out that Geely documentary? No, you may have mentioned it, mentioned it to me before. I don't know if it was on here or off, but you definitely mentioned it to me. But I haven't had a chance to see it though. I think, I think I might have. It's called uh, Destination NBA: A G League Odyssey. It's on Amazon. I know Bill Simmons produced it. Shout out. Um, but so it pretty much follows five different G League players. Gabe York's one of them. He has a pretty cool story. Uh, Denzel Valentine, Ryan Terrell. Can't remember the other two off the top of my head. The one guy, his, his last name is Jones. I forgot. So is it like not great prep? Like following <laughs> their day to day life, or oh, the other one was Scoop. I'm a dumbass. The other one was Scoop. But yeah, okay. so it it kind of broadly follows their overall story and then like kind of the day to day of it. So they're all, it was cool because they're all in different positions. Like Scoot's not your typical G leaguer. When you think of a G leaguer, like it's kind of an alternate route just to get to the NBA now. Like, you know, the Jalen greens, Jonathan Kamingas of the world, um, yeah. they kind of paved the way for that. So Scoot the whole time, he knows he's going to be a top three pick and, you know, from high school on, like he's going to the NBA. Even like he sits out like the second half of his second year in the G League. Um, so it's not as live or die for him. But at the same time, like he kind of has a target on his back because there's so many guys in the G League that it's like dog eat dog world. Like everybody's trying to get to the NBA and they know he's going to the NBA. So if they play well against him, it looks good type of deal. So he definitely has a target on his back. But it was cool to see like the way he used the G League to get to the NBA. And then Spencer Dinwiddie, they did a lot of interviews with like former G League players like Gary Payton, Seth Curry, Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, Some said that like kind of really stuck with me. I thought it was cool. It was like, he said there's about, there's like 500 players in the NBA, give or take, right? And then he said, there's probably about another 500 players in the world that are like NBA level talents um, between like, you know, international basketball and G League and the best college players and shit like that. So the overall talent pool is like a thousand players and probably the only top 100 to 200 in the NBA are like locked in every year that they're going to be in the NBA. So those other, you know, 300 to 400 positions are pretty much in flux every year between the remaining eight or 900. So it's so competitive and so many people want it. Um, And it, it goes beyond just the talent. A lot of times, sometimes it's like, Seth Curry and Gary Payton are great NBA players, obviously, but like sometimes it's like, oh, this this person comes from a good pedigree, like their dads are NBA players, or 
this guy's talented, but he's kind of a hothead type deal. Like a lot of times it comes down to more than just like the talent. Um, but now it's definitely, definitely a cool documentary. The G League has grown so much. Like I remember when we were kids, it wasn't even, it was the D League before it had like the Gatorade sponsorship. Like, it was always known as the D League. Yep. And now like every team except the Suns, I think have an NBA affiliate or have a, a G League affiliate. Which, which is cool. Like it's, it's, it's like a true minor league now. Like players on two ways and stuff can bounce back and forth between leagues. But I would definitely recommend checking it out. Streaming server, what streaming service was it on? It's on Amazon. That's all I was on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Uh, Amazon Prime. One of the other guys, actually, that they followed that I mentioned, Ryan Terrell, he like played in the same conference that my brother played in, the Skyline. He played at Yeshiva, which is like a Jewish uh, college. And he's like trying to become the first Orthodox Jew to play in the NBA. So his story is pretty sick too, because he had like he had a ton of D one offers, um, but ended up going the D three route to to practice his religion. So I think that it's pretty cool that he wants to pave the way for people that are that value religion and faith and stuff like that, while also chasing the NBA dream. Yeah, I, I would respect that a lot. I'm definitely going definitely going to check it out. The other. Netflix, you said <laughs> Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Video. I had but that as if you're well. on Netflix. All right, the Johnny Manziel doc was pretty cool too. I did mean to take a look at that because I saw like a bunch of clips about yeah. it, and like that dude's a fucking maniac. Yeah, like I, I'm not the, In I'm college. not the biggest college football fan of all time. Like I, I never really watched. I am gonna make a conscious effort to try to get more into it this year, but like his yeah. story is fucking sick. Like most of it, I kind of already knew. <laughs> You know, him being, like, the wild, crazy guy, but he was a fucking stud in high school. Like, I think, like, his senior year, he had, like, 75 touchdowns, and he and he only <sighs> played in, like, half of 10 games or some shit. Like, some, something absurd like that. Um, so, absolute stud in high school. Wants to go to Texas, because he's from Texas, but never gets offered. Goes to Texas A&M. It's their first year in the SEC. And as a true freshman, comes in, wins the Heisman. They beat Alabama. Like, fucking insanity, right? And they end up, like, it just shows the NCAA is a lot. I mean, the NCAA is not great still. But the NCAA, in terms of, like, the the NIL, name, image, and likeness stuff, like, where players can actually make a profit on their image, which is how it always should have been. But back yeah. then, it was even more fucked up. Where, like... God knows how much money he would have made. Bro, they did. Legally. They, they did like forgot what the exact number is so i don't want to botch it but they basically like some like magazine they said this in the documentary like during his time there they basically basically estimated that he made like 75 million in revenue or some shit for texas a&m between like because they were selling like his jerseys um and like they built an addition onto their stadium they ended up building an entire new stadium to fit how many people they were having come to the games and everything and like what really clicked with him was like they had him the university had him go to like basically an event for donors and just sit there signing like hundreds of autographs that they were going to give to donors um so like he is the reason why they're donating as much money as they are to the university and he's not seeing a dime of it. And he literally never did. I mean, he's done illegal things in his life. But when he was in college, he literally did nothing illegal. Um, like besides, you know, like bullshit, whatever. But 
he never did anything illegal in terms of like anything the NCAA should be worried about. So basically all the money he was making was like he was going to like parties and events and like getting paid for it. And like the big thing was he was like signing autographs for money. And that was literally the only way he was making money, which isn't illegal to sign your own name on shit. You know what I mean? It's just like against the NCAA rules. But against NCAA you policy, couldn't make money yeah. on your name, image, or likeness, which is bullshit. But I mean, now you can, but like I said, even more fucked up back then. And then, you know, he has a lot of mental health stuff going on, kind of spiraled out of control. And yeah. it just shows how much of a joke the NCAA is. Like they, he got suspended for a half of one game. His sophomore year. It happens frequently with players in, in a college. Non, I never in a really understand it. Game, I think they were playing like Troy and they ended up winning by 50. Like it's, it's a joke. But his <laughs> sophomore year, like he put up good stats, but the team wasn't good. And, you know, he had a lot of like, like I said, like a lot of scandal and stuff with the suspension and everybody thinks he's, you know, using and an alcoholic and everything. So kind of a hot take, but it's kind of excluding high school. This guy literally made this name for himself and all this money pretty much off one good year of football, which is insane. Like he was a beast his freshman year. And then his sophomore year, you know, all the scandal and everything. He was still good, but the team wasn't good and all the scandal and everything. And he was horrible in the NFL. So literally had this whole story pretty much for one good year of football. Um, But I think people are also very much caught up in like his highlight reels as well. Oh, yeah. And being pushed by like the major sports networks, like always showing him, always showing him off and whatnot. But, um, I mean, yeah. I actually saw something pretty recently. I, was, I saw something pretty recently that was like, um, it was like a draft analyst who like pointed out those exact things. Like, um, like you could see the the fundamentals aren't there, and like some of the stuff that he was doing, like some of the, the heroic plays he was making, is like he was making those plays because of his own mistakes. Um, but he can get away with that, like in college and they're like, there's no way he was ever going to pan out um, in the NFL, like because of those things. But people are like, again, are just so enamored by like, by those highlights and like kind of like turn a blind eye to, um, you know, why those plays are even being made in the first place. But he sure as hell was exciting. And like, I'm glad he was able to get his money. Like um, kind of like, turned against him in a sense though. I feel like he kind of got in his own way um with his progression and just like his lifestyle, you know? Yeah. Definitely just like a crazy he's like a fucking rock star pretty much. Like just lives yeah, his crazy yeah, lifestyle yeah. and just happens to play football. You know what I mean? No, nah, I'm I'm gonna check out the full thing though for sure. So I got my I got a G League documentary to watch and now, something that you so. have seen that I just started watching. I don't know if I told you. I just started again into The Office. What's taking you so long? I don't know. I just, I, I dabbled in it a bit. Wait, where, where do you even because. watch it at? Okay. So, I dabbled in it a few episodes here and there from time to time over the last couple of years. But something else just always came up show-wise. So, I was watching The Bear, as I talked about. Um, finished up the bear, was kind of looking for a new show. Didn't know if I wanted to dive into something heavier like a uh, Sopranos or Breaking Bad or something like that. But I decided to just kind of dabble in the office. And I gotta say it lives up to the hype. It's absolutely fucking hilarious. I'm only on season <laughs> two, but it is absolutely hilarious. Like it's it's the type of show you laugh out loud at. 
and it's just kind of it's like the perfect Seriously. type of humor you know what i mean like it's like just the shit that they do it's like it's also hard to stop watching because like every episode so like the last run i've been on was like there was one where it was like a halloween episode there was one i think the first episode of season two was the uh the dundee so it's like they're doing like an award ceremony and then it's yeah, like there's yeah, like a yeah. fire in the building, and then there's like a Halloween episode, and it's just like <laughs> the episode ends, and you want you're like, right, I'm not, I'm gonna like turn it off, and then it's like, oh, the next episode is titled this, and it's like, oh, shit, I have to, I have to see what that's about because that just sounds like it's yeah. I know everybody thinks that like their workplace could have like a sitcom like that, and that like they could relate to some of the stupid shit that happens in the office, but the shit that happens in that show is just so funny. All the characters. Like, most of them just have, like, the most bland personality. But then, like, the few of them that are fucking insane, like, Dwight and Michael and stuff, like, it's just... I know I'm probably, like, 18 years late on this shit, but definitely glad I finally got around to it. I'm glad you finally come around. Yeah, that was... I I believe that was the first show I watched uh, fully through. That may have been the first series I've ever watched in a whole, and... Like you mentioned, kind of like the humor, like it, it, it takes kind of a lot for me to like find humor, like those sitcom TV shows. Like I think a lot of them are like pretty corny, like really aren't funny at all. But that was definitely one, like you just said, like I, stuff stuff would happen. I would laugh out loud at it. Like that shit was actually hilarious. Um, I didn't know that it was on Peacock, though, because I know they, once they took it off of Netflix, I didn't think it was on streaming at all. So I might have to get Peacock just so I can rewatch the office. That's so funny. That's the- Top tier, that top diversity tier day episode. It's literally only the second de- second episode. But the diversity it's episode so is funny. hilarious. <laughs> and Michael Michael makes them put like a certain ethnicity on their forehead and they have to like describe it. On their <laughs> like, forehead. <laughs> yeah. The writers of the show are awesome. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep everybody posted as I continue to watch. I'll probably watch the episode after we're done recording this. But um, anything else new and notable you want to mention before we move on? Oh, man. Nah, man. Let's get right, into we'll it. Take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to go through some NFL future bets. Coming back here, NFL season is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Can't wait. Um, next episode, we're going to do like our NFL predictions, do a huge hoopla about it. But to start here, we're going to give some <laughs> NFL future bets. So the way it's going to work, we'll each have $1,500 of fake money, or maybe real money. Who knows? Um, we'll just say of money, of money to bet to split up over five bets. So we'll each get a $100 bet, a $200 bet, a $300 bet, a $400 bet, and a $500 bet. Um, a future bet, that is. And then we'll keep track. Most of these like won't come to fruition until the season's over. So at season's end, we'll come back and see where we stand in terms of wins, in terms of losses. But we'll go through each one, starting with the $100 bet. You want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first my $100 bet. Um, I guess let me first preface by saying I'm not by no means a gambling expert. This shit's all for fun. So don't, so don't, so don't, don't take my pick, uh, and go, go along and put your own money on it and then, uh, be upset if it doesn't hit. But with that being said though, um, my first bet, a hundred dollar bet, um, I'm going to the inter- the interceptions thrown leader okay. prop. So most interceptions thrown by a, by a QB for the season. Um, <clears throat> so I was looking at, at, at some of the, uh, I guess, favorites to lead the league. Um, and they had like Josh Allen, who 
I thought it was a pretty good would have been a pretty good pick just because um I think Josh Allen's one of those guys that is like too good for too too talented for his own good sometimes where he like tries to make plays that just aren't there. Um and he do stuff like that that leads to turnovers. Um uh, I think he was like one of the top leaders in, in interceptions last year. Um thought about a guy like Baker Mayfield, who I just don't think is that talented at all and it's probably bound to throw a lot of picks. I looked at him and also thought like there's a chance that if he were to be throwing a bunch of interceptions, just not playing well, he doesn't have the leash that like Josh Allen had, and he's probably going to get benched for whoever their backup is. Um, so chances are he wouldn't last the whole season anyways to lead the league in interceptions, and kind of the same like idea for like the younger. Um, so I, I think that the same. Um, would apply for like rookies as would Baker Mayfield. They just wouldn't have a long leash. Um, so I was looking at some rookies as well um, who might lead the league. But I, again, same with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, I just feel as though they, if they were performing poorly, they probably would get benched. Um, so with all that being said, the person who I did decide to pick um, to lead the league in interceptions this year was Dak Prescott. Um, for one, he tied last season for most interceptions um, thrown. Uh, he had 15 in just 12 games. Uh, so I feel like if he does play a full 17-game season, um, he could easily lead the league again. Um, and I also did take a look at some of the interceptions that he did throw. And, you know, a number of them were just like bad reads. So I feel like that's kind of good, just a, a bad habit that a quarterback has. I mean, granted, you're going to have like a little bit of luck is going to be involved as well with like um, tip passes, receivers dropping the ball, uh, things like that. But a lot of the interceptions last season, like, were just genuinely bad reads. Um, and also, he plays for the fucking Cowboys. Like, it's gonna it's gonna be fun to like be betting on him to throw a pick every single game and see the Cowboys crumble like they do every single season. So something something fun to root against. Uh, so the odds for that were uh, plus a thousand. The odds for actually that was the lowest odds that they had for every quarterback. Um, it was yeah, Josh Allen, Josh Allen. I think it was Stafford. Um, Dak was one of them, and there may be like two other quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, for that pick, I'm going with with Josh Allen. I like where your head's at. I like uh, I'm sorry, value. but Dak Prescott like to Stafford, lead the league interceptions. I don't trust him to stay 1, healthy enough to win that. Um, and then I'm also I'm super low on the Cowboys this year. Super yeah. low on the Cowboys. There's like a this lot year. of external factors involved. Um, with this potentially hitting. Anywho, my $100 pick. I'm going with for the Jaguars to be the number one seed in the AFC. So that right now is sitting at plus 1200 So that would be $100 to win 1200 I agree with you, though. I agree with you. No. To be the one seed, not to win the AFC. To oh, be the, the AFC, one seed. not even not not even the division, the AFC, the whole so conference. It's plus twelve hundred, so a hundred dollars to win. That's my hundred dollar bet. That would be to win twelve hundred dollars. Okay. Um, the reason I was kind of even started thinking about this was the Jaguars won a playoff game last year. Trevor Lawrence was very good. I think he can make an even another leap this year. Um, and if you look at the divisions. I think the AFC East is going to be brutally tough this year. 
you know, you got the Bills, Super Bowl contender, Jets, Super Bowl contender, Dolphins, if healthy, Super Bowl contender. Um, and then the Definitely. Pats of the Pats, like they'll still be solid. The West, obviously the Chiefs would be who you would naturally think to be the one seed, but uh, I'm expecting Herbert to take another leap this year. They have a good offense, good defense. They got a bunch of studs all over the field. Um, so that's more of a coaching issue, I feel like, in L.A., but I feel like there's the possibility if you have Herbert to be, you know, a good team and take a leap this year. So they have to deal with the Chargers. The Raiders will be bad, but the Broncos, I'm not totally sold either way, but bringing in Sean Payton, I feel like can't be a bad thing. Russell Wilson, I don't know if last year was a fluke or not, but I think it's realistic to think that they'll be solid. Maybe not great, probably not horrible, but solid. So a little bit of a tougher division for the Chiefs this year. Plus, it's harder to, although they had already won one previous, it's harder to repeat and stay at the top than it is to get there in the first place. Probably not. I mean, you know, Tyreek left and they went out and won the Super Bowl, which that, a lot of people didn't think they the could. Chiefs. But I just that feel like it's harder to, to still be as motivated <laughs> in the regular season, which this is a regular season thing. I'm not saying the Jags are going to win the AFC. But I think there's good value in it at plus 1,200. And then the North, you got Burrow and the Bengals. Yeah. I'm expecting Deshaun Watson to be a lot better this year. Browns have weapons. Steelers are the Steelers. And then Lamar's back with the Ravens. They drafted Zay Flowers. They signed Odell. Um, so I think there's – I think the North and the East are super tough divisions. The West will be solid. Plus, like I said, the Chiefs might have a little bit of a hangover. And the NF, the AFC South, excuse me, is so brutally bad that I think they'll probably sweep their division <laughs> – and then they also play the NFC South. And I think they could sweep that as well. So I think yeah. that they just have a lot of opportunities to pile up wins. And they'll be, they're young. They'll be hungry. They won a playoff game last year. They'll try to build off that. Who knows what the ceiling is for this team. But I just think there's good value at plus 1,200 for a team like the Jaguars to, you know, good, young, solid team with a, with a not so difficult schedule to pile up the wins and get the one seed. So that's my $100 pick. $100 bet, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I like I like the Jags a lot. <clears throat> um, I have them included in a later bet. But, um, yeah, no, I think they'll be good this season for sure. Um, so, on to the $200 bet. Uh, so, for my $200 bet, I'm going over to a little parlay. Everybody loves parlays. But when They're they don't. Fun. When you hit, you feel like you're on top of the world, right? Um, so for my $200 parlay, and when you don't, it's a sickening feeling, especially when you lose by that last leg. Oh, man. Oh, man. No, no worse feeling than that. Um, experienced it far too many times. Um, but, yeah, we're going to go to uh, a rushing touchdowns uh, parlay, and this is going to be – Six leg parlay for six different, uh, not even running backs, but six different players to uh, score at least six plus rushing touchdowns um, on the year. Uh, so the players that I have in this parlay is Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Justin Fields, Damian Pierce, DeAndre Swift, and Zeke. Um so for Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb, <clears throat> there's not too much to be said about them. I mean, they're beasts. Last season, 
Derrick Henry had 13, Nick Chubb had 12. Um, they're going to get a lot of carries. They're going to score. Uh, as long as they're healthy, I don't see any reason why those yeah. two wouldn't get at least six touchdowns. The next player I had on on that parlay, uh, Justin Fields, to my surprise, had eight rushing touchdowns last year. Maybe I shouldn't have been surprised by that. I mean, he's such a dynamic runner. Um, both an ability of his, but also because the offensive line fucking sucked and he had no choice but to run for his life. Um, but somebody who can be as dynamic as he is with his legs, um, I definitely think that he can get at least six. And uh, I didn't have what his the value for his just straight up was, but uh, he may have been like minus 200, but um, it was good to throw in there to to boost up the parlay a little bit. Um, so I have him for for six as well. Uh, Damian Pierce, who is the Texans running back. Um, I don't believe this episode is out yet, but we talked about talked about some football. And I did speak about how I think that the Texans are going to be an improved team. Um, with an improved team, you'd imagine better offense, more uh, more scoring opportunities. So last season, he had four rushing touchdowns. Um, so only, only needs two more. Uh, hopefully that's not too much to ask for, but uh, he, he's good. I don't know how familiar you, familiar you are with him, but like, uh, I kind of like took notice when the Texans played the Eagles last year and like he fucking ran all over their defense. Like he's such a tough runner, finishes the runs. Um it's just like an an, an aggressive back. Um so I, I just find I just find him uh you know, inside that offense, assume that they are better, again, like I'm predicting. They hold us have more opportunities to score. Um so I, I see two more scores in him than um than he had last season. Plus I think he missed like maybe two games last year with injury, so uh Obviously, all these picks are like kind of health permitting, but uh, I think that he'll uh, he'll be able to hold that down for me. Um, fifth player I had on here was DeAndre Swift, Eagles' new addition. Um, he had five last season in fourteen games, um, and that was all with he wasn't even really the primary red zone back. Um, Jamal Williams got so many red zone touches last year, like goal line touches with the Lions last season. Um, so for him to still get five, <clears throat> again, with not really being the primary um, kind of like goal line back, um, kind of gave me a bit of optimism. Plus, the Eagles are pretty run heavy. So, um, you know, w- with him joining the that kind of off that is heavy on the run, the opportunities um, for goal line touches are definitely going to be there. Um, he'll be the Eagles primary back, presumably. So um, feeling good with that. And then lastly, the uh, New England Patriots, newest addition, Zeke. He had 14, or I'm sorry, not 14. He had 12 rushing touchdowns last year um, with the Cowboys. And he's kind of, again, he's kind of that, that power back that you'll have, you'll give the ball to in those um, goal line situations. So I think the opportunities for him to score will be plentiful. Um, like I said, 12 last season. All I need is half of that this year from you, Zeke. So. Uh, again, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Justin Fields, Damian Pierce, DeAndre Swift, and Zeke to all score at least six rushing touchdowns. Um, that's at plus thirty three seventeen. Uh, so that'll be my two hundred dollar bet. Bit of a long shot, but parlays are fun like that. So give you something to root for. I don't know if I mentioned. I'm also definitely putting money on all these bets as well. Obviously, not the amount that we're speaking about, but. Um, 
I'm, I'm putting a little something in all of these uh, just for fun to follow. I like that the one season. a lot. I like that you, a you did a parlay so. for this pick, and it's definitely yeah, that's where something I'm at with my fun to dabble pick. in to be able to root for all those guys and everything. The biggest red flag, I guess, would be that you have to hope that six guys are staying healthy. And then also, like, in terms of fantasy, like, what if it comes down to, like, you know, you're at the end of your fantasy season. They healthy the whole season. against Derrick yeah. Henry. You need him to score two tutties in the last game to hit the parlay, but then you're probably going to lose in fantasy. But overall, I love it. <laughs> love the idea of it. I'm probably going to look into something similar. I like the Zeke, that you added Zeke into that. I think that he'll be good in New England this year with Belichick. Kind of a fresh start. Um, probably lower expectations in a way. Like you said, he'll be used at the goal line, short yardage uh, situations. Um, and I think Belichick will, like, unlock him. I mean, he won't be what he used to be, but he'll definitely, like, use him to the best of his ability for what he is now. Um, I remember, like, especially with the quarterback situation, like, Mac Jones is fine, whatever, Bailey Zappi's fine. For sure. But... Uh, I remember like that game they played. I forgot if it was in the snow or the rain, like two years ago, where they literally threw the ball once or twice the entire game. Remember that game? I think it was against the Bills. I thought it was two years yeah. ago against the Bills. That, I could be wrong. No, that wasn't but, against the Jets, was it? Um, but that wasn't. Was that last we'll season? Have to fact check that. Oh, Bills. But no, they no, but yeah, Brian I'm, I'm, I'm remember plays, what you're speaking about, but yeah, I can't remember unbelievable when that was. Um, improvement over Matt Patricia last year. He was, you know, obviously compared to the average person is more of an offensive mind, but not an NFL offensive mind by any means. And little, it'll be a little more of a dynamic offense, and I think that will definitely help them out. But I like that pick a lot. My $200 bet. You're going to like this one. I got the Eagles to, Eagles to win the Super Bowl at plus 800. Basic pick, uh, 200 to win 1,600. Okay. They're... The Chiefs are the favorite. I forgot what their what their odds are, but the, the Eagles are second. Okay. Um plus eight hundred for the Eagles. I don't remember if it was you that said it or somebody else, but like they have that stretch where they're where they play like I could be wrong, but I think in a four game stretch they play like the Niners, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys in a four game stretch. And there might be one other tough one in there. So you Yeah. That's right. I think well, I think it's I think it's the um, Dolphins. <clears throat> excuse me, Dolphins, Chiefs, Cowboys, Twenties, and Forty Niners. I think they have a hard schedule. Well, it's not yeah, one of them. That's a um, five game. Stretch. Obviously, they have it's a first place schedule. So I think that if they make it through that, then you know they'll be looking good. But I think during that stretch, if they do drop a few, that'll probably be the best time to bet this. That's probably where you'll get the best value if they do, you know, drop two, maybe three of those or whatever. Um, but plus eight hundred to start the season is pretty good value for a team like the Rock sure. is fucking loaded. I think they're better than they were last year. They had a good draft. Like you said, they brought Swift in. Um, I love Jalen Hurts. I think he's like a fucking dog and like he's just like like an elite level <laughs> competitor. Um, he's gonna be hungry this year. He'll probably wanna win an MVP this year. They got the taste of the Super Bowl last year. Um, and they just have so many studs, so many weapons all over the place, really good defense. Um, so I like them to win the Super Bowl. I think if it's a rematch between them and the Chiefs, like I just think that, like I said, it's really tough to repeat. The NFC is really weak, honestly. Like nobody's coming out of the South. 
you could make the argument for the Lions. Um, but besides them, can't see anybody coming out of the North in their own division. <clears throat> I think the Giants will be good. I think, like I said, I'm out on the Cowboys. And in the West, you got the Niners. But who knows with the quarterback situation? Like, Purdy was a beast last year. But who knows if he could, you know, replicate that. Trey Lance seems like he's a disaster. So if you're really looking at the Niners, maybe the Lions and maybe the Giants and Cowboys, like I feel like is it pretty easy or as easy as it can get for, you know, the NFL uh, road for them to get through the NFC. Um, So I'm taking the Eagles to win the Super Bowl plus 800 is my $200 bet. Love it. Praying to the gods for that one, my friend. Um, <clears throat> on to my $300 bet. Uh, this one, I'm pretty sure I actually mentioned this to you. Um, this one isn't really a, necessarily a great value pick, but I don't really get into all that value stuff. I, I'm going with what I think is actually going to hit. <laughs> um, so it's the Eagles to score a touchdown in every single game this year. Um, at least one touchdown, uh, and that's at minus one seventy. So, I think one seventy. I mean, the betting experts might say that's not a good value. Again, I don't know, but I don't see how they don't they don't get it. Um, to all the points you just made as well. I mean, yeah, they have the tough. They have that tough stretch of opponents. Um, hopefully, they stay very healthy this season. They were really fortunate last year as far as didn't really. Uh, come across too many significant injuries from like any key players, um, at least not early in the season. They had a couple nagging ones late in the year, but I mean, who isn't beat up late in the season? Um, so yeah, last year they, they scored a touchdown every single game. Um, the only game that they only scored one touchdown was against the New Orleans Saints. Um, again, that was a game later in the season. Uh, Jalen Hurts was injured that game. Um, so I think as long as Hurts is healthy, um, their key players are healthy. I don't see how they don't score one touchdown in every single game. I think they're the best. I think they have the best roster in the league. Um, you know, I kind of started to put the Chiefs above them because they're they're reigning champs and they have the best quarterback in the league. But up and down, they have the best roster. So whether it be a freaking offensive touchdown, special teams, defensive, they can get me at least one in every single game this year. Um, so again, I don't know if they'll say the value is the best for that, but uh, I just I don't see how it doesn't hit. So. Eagles <clears throat> one minus one seventy to score one touchdown in every single game. Like you said, not great and value. At least but one I touchdown. do like the That's idea. Three hundred dollars, you know, which is the middle of what we're betting here um, for some pretty much guaranteed money. I'll tell you right now that is going to hit. So definitely good strategy to get some guaranteed money. Um, my three hundred dollar bet. I'm going with. Deshaun Watson to have the most regular season passing yards in the AFC North. That's at plus 500, so 300 to win 1,500. Um, I think Joe Burrow's the favorite, and then Watson's second. Obviously, Burrow has ridiculous weapons and is better than Deshaun Watson, but he's already banged up, and I think that'll be more of a health thing, where Watson was so bad last year, and obviously he hasn't really didn't play the season before and everything, has a lot of you know, guy did a lot of fucked up shit, but talent wise, I think with some good weapons and like a full year, full training camp, full preseason, everything, I think that he is going to have a bounce back year. 
and be very good and very productive this year. I think the Browns will be a lot better. Um, so I think the value at plus 500 for him to do so is very good because he's like the type of guy where like back in his like Texans prime days, like he's putting up crazy games. You know what I mean? Like 400-yard game, 450-yard games, like crazy numbers, um, like video game yeah. type shit. So if he's even close to that and he's staying healthy for the whole year with some solid weapons around him, I could see him putting up, you know, monster numbers this year. So the value of plus 500 is there for me. So I'll take that for my $300 bet. Deshaun Watson, most regular season passing yards in the AFC North. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, no, I, I think Deshaun Watson is going to have a bounce back here. Um, again, a full season, full off season with your team. I mean, I think that's just like when you're born to a brand new system, um, a brand new team, you're learning everything on the fly. Plus he was suspended for over half the season. Like it's, it's tough to, obviously it's tough to just hop back in and, pick things up in stride. It's not going to, that's not really realistic. That's not going to happen. But like, when you see the type of talent that he was back in Houston, um, you know, it's hard to imagine that he wouldn't be uh, good again, given a, a full off season uh, with the team and they have some weapons out there in in Cleveland. So not a bad one, man. I like it. I like it. Uh, so now we're on to our $400 picks. Um, this one is another parlay I'm putting together. Um, it's a parlay of division winners. Uh, so I picked six. I didn't pick every division because uh, there's no way in hell I'm touching the uh, uh, NFC South. Panthers. Um, no way I'm touching them as far as, you know, picking pick a division winner. Um, I don't have it in here, but I do have a feature on them. <laughs> is that who it is? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm uh, not confident enough, but uh, I picked six division winners. Parlay them together. Um, oh. Eagles, Chiefs, 49ers. I don't think too much needs to be said about them. Um, it's over. I'm right? with you, I'm with you on it. the Jags. Uh, I think the, that that division isn't good the at Jags all. Jags already won the division. Uh, it's over. And, I, again, I think they're, they're improved as well. What's that? I'm sorry. Jags already won the division. Perfect. So lock that one in already then. Um one of my six down. Two of my six. The Eagles are definitely winning as well. Um, then the last two were kind of uh, not so much of a toss-up, but uh, not as certain on on these last two teams that I picked. But uh, we needed to increase the value of the of the parlay, so I threw them in. Uh, and that's the Bills and the Ravens. Um, the Bills, I definitely think, are still the best team in the division. Um, but again, like you mentioned, the AFC East. Uh, it's definitely tough this year. Obviously, Rodgers came for the Jets. Um, assuming Tua is healthy all season, obviously the Dolphins, you expect the Dolphins to be uh, a competitive team. And uh, the Bills, who I've seen, have been top team in the division for the past couple of seasons now. Um, and I think they will hold that spot. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, you kind of wonder how much do they have uh, left in the tank? I know there's been some speculation with um, – Stefan Diggs and whether he's there for the long haul and whatnot. Um, but I think that their, their time is kind of might be running out. Um, and this could be the season that, you know, 
how much of an impact does Aaron Rodgers make to the Jets, and do they somehow overtake the um, overtake the Bills for the division lead? And um, Dolphins are on the rise now again with a full season of Tua. Hopefully, um, how will they compete within the division? So, I definitely think it's going to be a, a tougher a tougher year for for the division as a whole. But um, you know, the Bills are trying to take that top spot, um, but I still think they have they have somewhere left in the tank, and that they'll they'll be able to. Um, come out on top over there on the AFC East. Um, but I had questions about it. I had questions about it. So uh, I threw them in there as my fifth team. And then um, the the Ravens were the last team, I, again, I included. Um, they are not the favorites. The Bengals are the favorites to win the division. But uh, I, I like the Ravens a lot. I mean, like they're, they're like that prototypical, like really good regular season team that oftentimes doesn't get done in the playoffs. Um, they were kind of on the fringe last season. Obviously, Lamar was injured. Um, so now with, a, again, all pending health, a, a full season of a healthy Lamar Jackson, they kind of got him as weapons now. You mentioned Zay Flowers. They bought in um, Odell. Hopefully that man stays in, stays healthy, not injured. Hopefully he stays healthy. Um, but I think the Ravens are, are, are an improved team, and they're, they're going to give the Bills – or the, I'm sorry, the Bengals a kind of a run for their money. Um, to the benefit of the Bengals, I know there is – some concerns about Joe Burrow and his calf injury. Um, it does appear he'll be ready for the regular season, though, so um, that really shouldn't be a factor. But I think they're they're obviously going to be the top two in the division, and um, you know, so much so. I mean, not, not more so, just a hope that the, that the Ravens are going to be able to pull this out, rather than you know saying for certain they will. But uh, yeah, I, I threw them in there as well to again boost up that parlay just a little bit. Um, I think think they can pull it out, though. Um, So those six division winners, again, the Chiefs, Eagles, 49ers, Jags, Bills, Ravens, um, comes out to uh, 5,100 plus 5,100. Yeah, you definitely got to throw the Ravens in there. That's kind of like the the reach Um, pick to boost the odds on it. Um, Pretty much agree with everything you said. I think the Bills are still the best team in that division. I don't know if I trust the Dolphins' health. I probably don't. The Pats just aren't good enough. Um, and then the Jets are the Jets, no offense. I wouldn't be surprised to see any yeah, one of those teams win the division. The well, they're kind of like irrelevant in that, in that argument, I wouldn't be surprised to see me. the other three teams win, but I just don't. I just think something's going to happen to the Jets. I don't wish anything bad upon them, but I just I don't see them be better than the Bills this year. The Exactly. The other four, the other four the I don't Jets, think it's really. The Jets are going to jet. You know, not much needs to be said, except maybe the NFC West. If they have, if the Niners have some quarterback issues, maybe the Seahawks could, you know, make it interesting. We'll see. And and I did think about that. I did think about that heavy. Yeah, no, I agree. The Niners' defense is just so good. I feel like they can. Um, Their defense can carry them. Would it be totally shocked if the Seahawks made it interesting? Um, and then, like I said, the long shot pick—you got to take the the Ravens to extend the odds a little bit. The Bengals are definitely. Yeah, the Bengals. The Bengals are definitely better. I think they were plus. They were plus two hundred. Like I think it was. It, a lot is riding on Burrow. Twenty. Um, and if he gets banged up or if this injury lingers at all, I think the Browns would be good. Like I said, I don't think they'll win the division. They'll probably be in contention for a wild card. Same with the Steelers, I think. But I think Lamar wants to live up to the money. Wants to live up to the contract. Wants to prove that you know he is that top five guy or whatever. Um, plus with more weapons and everything, mm. I just 
I think the the Ravens will be very good this year, so I think it's worth the value, yeah. definitely to boost the parlay. Um, so for my four hundred dollar bet, I'm going with the Jets to score one plus passing touchdown in every regular season game. That's at plus six fifty. Um, so that's four hundred. Yeah, so that's four hundred to win twenty six hundred. I think I might have mentioned the rushing touchdown really? one. You mentioned so it to me too. I think they have a bet on Fanduel. Um, it's plus ten thousand for the Jets to score oh, okay. a rushing touchdown in every game. I was thinking about dabbling on that a little bit just for the value, but then I'm thinking plus six fifty is still good value. <laughs> Obviously, it's not plus ten thousand, but um, I just think that who knows how exactly you know, what style of offense they'll run. I mean, they'll definitely, it'll be more catered towards Rodgers. Obviously, no shit, Sherlock. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever. But I just, when I was debating between those two picks, the rushing touchdown or, or passing touchdown, I thought back to a few years ago, I had Aaron Jones and fantasy Packers running back. And I was either Rodgers' first or second MVP year. And just every time they got in the red zone, every time they got to the goal line, like they were throwing it in because they like Rodgers. I don't know if it was Rodgers wanting to boost his his passing touchdown stats or the team or whatever it was. But every time they got on the goal line, he threw it in. If they were at the one yard line, he was throwing it in. Um, you know, that was when they had Devontae Adams, Robert Tunyon at tight end and stuff. So every time they got to the goal line, they were throwing it in. And they have, um, you know, some really good weapons with him now with the Jets. So I think that if they get in close, they're going to try, especially because there's so much hype around the Jets and so much hype around Rodgers right now. Like they're going to want him to have an MVP type year. Um, and he's going to want to have that year to prove that, you know, he's still that guy at the age that he's at. Agreed. Um, so he's going to want to boost the touchdown stats. I think that bringing in Dalvin cook and having Brees hall, like they're two really good running backs. So that could happen, but I just went with the, Instead of the value, I took the more realistic, more realistic bet. So my four hundred dollar bet, I'm going with the the Jets, namely Aaron Rodgers. Because if Rodgers gets gets hurt, then this bet's kind of fucked. Because Zach Wilson probably isn't throwing. Now Mike White signed with the Dolphins. He's their oh, backup yeah. now. Yeah. Zach Wilson. I'm not, not putting our trust in. Is Mike White still there? But uh, Zach, Zach Wilson. Yeah, no faith in Zach Wilson. I just, I, so think I, that, know, like, I thought Zach Wilson was going to be a beast. All these bets, it. obviously, they're what future bets in the NFL. There's yes. so many injuries, probably more so than any other sport. So an injury could fuck up every single one of these bets, like obviously. But this one is really riding on Rodgers to stay healthy in that offensive line to be able to protect them easily. Um, easily. But I'll also be curious to know when the last time Rodgers went in game without throwing a touchdown pass. I mean, it could have been last season. I really don't know. But yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, you think of Aaron Rodgers, you think of touchdown. So, I just, yeah. Being being that he's healthy, I'd expect him to hit that too. Um, but, yeah, I'm just curious to know when the last time he did not score a touchdown, throw a touchdown in a game. Um, on to the big boy, $500 bet. Um, this one is one that you honestly already mentioned, but – this is the only one that I'm guaranteeing is gonna is gonna hit this year, and that's the Eagles plus 800 to win a Super Bowl. Short and sweet, Eagles hitting, Eagles gonna win it. Um, and that's a guarantee. That's a lock. So I know I prefaced earlier, and I'm not I'm not a betting expert. No need to follow me, but put your money on the Eagles to win a to win the Super Bowl this season. 
uh, at plus 800. Uh, to the points we made, we made earlier, I mean, again, I think they're the best roster up and down um, from top to bottom. Uh, you know, I, I'm not one to make excuses. And I know the, the, this has been something that's kind of been in the, in the, in the news a lot, but how, how, uh, how much of a factor the field conditions were to their pass rush I like to think that was a factor as well. I mean, I think I think that Super Bowl was theirs, and for it, for them to let it slip away like that, um, you know, the defense not performing the way they should have, and then mistakes here and there, and there was to blame to be put on the coordinator, um, who's now gone. He's the uh, Cardinals coach now, but I think they have a lot of a lot of motivation this year, and obviously after just losing, but like they're hungry to get back there. Um, you know, they have a good mix of young. Really talented up and coming players hurts. Um, you know they just got Swift. They're they're rookies. They just, they just drafted this season with uh, Jalen Carter, um, Nolan Smith. I mean th- those are guys that like were projected to be some of the top players in the draft that for whatever reason slipped. Um, so I mean if they live up to their draft hype, they should be great. And then you have the you know the vets that are still there and they have a really good offense line, all the defensive vets, all that stuff. Again, top to bottom, I think they're the best team in the league. Um, and they're hungry. They, 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 they're, 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 they're going to, they, they want to come out there and improve that, you know, last year wasn't a fluke. The biggest thing last season for them was that they had an easy schedule. And again, like we just mentioned, they have that tough stretch and overall they have a pretty tough schedule this season. So, um, you know, if, if, if they can come out in the regular season and, handle what they got to do in the regular season, um, prove that last year wasn't a fluke. They really are this team. They really are this good um, and carry the momentum to the Super Bowl. And oh, uh, Giants fans I'll, sure I'll get the parade. That's for sure. I, I hope you'll be with, I hope you'll be there to join me. Oh yeah. Big, biggest regret. Biggest regret was not going to the first Super Bowl parade. Uh, I was, I was still in school and uh I just I don't know. I just didn't make didn't make a, a priority to get back for it. But after seeing how uh how much all the energy that was there for the Super Bowl, Eagles first ever, I'm like, oh, there's no way in hell I'm ever missing another another one of these. So uh Eagles plus eight hundred, Super Bowl fifty I mean, something you winners. You know I'm with you. Lock um, it. That's my only guarantee so my last that's pick, gonna hit. Staying in the NFC East. I'm thinking, like you said, not the greatest value here, but something I think is definitely going to hit. So at minus 104, I'm going with the Giants over for their win total. That's at seven and a half. So that's 500 to win roughly 480. Um, So again, not insanely good value, but I just think it's going to hit. So I'll take the money. I know we went through this on on an episode that we haven't released yet, but... If we go through the schedule here, they open up at home against the Cowboys. I think they're going to split with the Cowboys this year. So that's one win right there we're looking at. Then they play Arizona. That's another win. That's two wins. Then they play San Fran. They'll probably lose that one. Then they play Seattle at home. That one could go either way. So we'll leave that one off to the side for now. So I got two wins, one maybe so far. Then they go at Miami, at Buffalo. Those will be two tough games. I'll say they probably drop both of those. Then they got the Commanders at home. Um, I think they'll be the command. I think they'll sweep the Commanders this year. So that puts them at three. Then they play the Jets. 
I think all the hype is going to be around the Jets this year. And I think between that Seahawks game and between this Jets game, I think I could realistically see him going one and one. Would you agree or disagree? Uh, we'll say they split them. Uh, we'll say they split them. So that puts them so at for four. your sake. I'll agree. I, I don't agree to Vegas, but I mean, they'll beat Vegas. Proceed. That puts them at five wins. Proceed. At Dallas, they'll probably lose. Then they play at Washington. Like I said, they'll sweep. So that puts them at six wins. Then they play the Pats at home. The Pats will be solid, but I think the Giants are better. So that puts them at seven wins going into the bye. Then they got the Packers at home. That's a win. That's eight. So going into week 15, they already have the I already have them hitting. Um, I have them at eight and six through 14. We or there's a bye in there. So I have them at eight and five through week 14. Then they play at New Orleans. That one, I mean, it's tough to play in New Orleans. I think they're better than New Orleans, but I gave them the split before. So say they drop that one, then they'll lose to the Eagles twice and they play the Rams. So I'm looking at nine and eight, ten and six. That's when I'm real or nine and eight, ten and seven, I should say. That's where I realistically put them. Even if you want to go a little bit lower, eight and nine, eight and nine still hits with a losing record. So I mean, you could be low on the Giants, but I don't think they're going to be... I think they're going to be around 500. Yes. They're going to be between 8 and 10 wins, which is wins this bet. You know what I mean? I can't see them winning less than 8. I can't, I don't, I can't find 10 losses on the schedule. I think that the Giants overachieved tremendously last yeah. season. <clears throat> um, I like, I like, I like, what's his name? Dable? Dable? I think he's a, I think he's a really good coach. And he got the most out of the players uh, to perform the way that they did. But, like, I just don't think that the Giants really have the talent, though. Uh, and I just – I don't know how – I'm still – I mean, you're, you're a follower more, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are more Giants followers than I am, obviously. I like Daniel Jones like, a lot. Now, I'm not – How much faith do you put I'm not going to say he's a top Daniel five or Jones. top ten quarterback, but I think that he – he's on – He's on the top half of quarterbacks. Like he's probably in that yeah, that'd be ridiculous. You know, but 12 to 15 range, 13, 14, something like that. So like he is a competent enough quarterback and you know, a dual threat guy. And to have Saquon in kind of a prove it year here, um, obviously health, like like I said with every pick, it's always gonna come down to health. But if Saquon's healthy, he's just such like a explosive offensive player and like really one of the best offensive weapons you can have in the entire league. Um, and then to add Darren Waller, who's one of the best tight ends in the league again, barring health because Jones had absolutely no receiving threats last year and the receivers are still not good, but just to add Waller into that um, plus Barkley, like I think that's, you know, I'm not going to call it a three headed monster, but Jones, Waller, and and Saquon. Like I think that's they have an upper, a top half quarterback with a top three running back and a top five uh, tight end as a receiving threat. Um, in Dayball's offense, which will be you know creative enough and like they'll be smart enough and manage the clock enough to be able to get away with that with a solid defense. Like like I said, I don't think they're going to win fifteen games. Like I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. But I think they're good enough to be about 500. And they could go below 500 and still hit this bet. 
And I, I just, I, I can't, like I said, I can't find 10 losses on the schedule, which is what it would take for this bet not to hit. That's fair. Wow. I'm going to, uh, I, I'm not putting I this as a go, bet, but I'm going to be betting against. Like I against said, I will go as far as to say I'm going, I'm they won't the even under. need the full schedule. I'll put this my six, my $6 this bet. bet will be hit by week 15. <laughs> I wish there was a way to bet yeah. that. Actually, There's, maybe there is. is. That, that's that's a heavy, it, but I wish there was a way bias, to bet. Heavy bias pick, but when their win total will be hit? Because I think it'll be hit before week. I don't think it'll take the full schedule. I think it's going to be hit before week fifteen. And yeah, maybe it's biased. I, I mean, I really maybe I'm bugging, but I really don't <laughs> think it's that absurd to say that they could go eat and You're listening to the delusional New York fan. <laughs> like, that's really not that crazy. Fair enough. I mean, no. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's not absurd. In total, but my I, bets. I, just, I, don't, I don't know, see know if happening. you did this, that's but all. my bets were That's like all. we said, fifteen hundred total in wagers to win. Mine were to win seventy three eighty and some change. Um, so we'll keep track of it at season's end. At season's end, we'll come back um, and see yeah, I'll, how I'll we do the math on that at a later time. We'll take a quick break here. When we get back, we're going to get into misery corner. Hang around to see what that is. All right, coming back to... here, um, we're getting All into right. misery corner. So, most sports fans, you know, they're in it for the highs. They're in it for like the excitement of winning and rooting for a winning team. Uh, but this is the opposite side of the coin, misery corner, where we're going to talk about how miserable rooting for a shitty team can make you feel, and the experience of, like I said, being absolutely miserable living and dying by every pitch, every play, every shot. Um, so we're, we're both going through some miserable times with a couple of our teams right now. Miles, I'll, I'll turn the floor over to you to let you enter Misery Corner first and kind of tell us how you're feeling. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it. Um, so as many have seen, uh, James Harden, and the Sixers organization in general aren't seeing eye to eye. Um, he's been wanting to get traded, obviously. And the Sixers have been looking to accommodate that request, but uh, I guess not in, in the fashion that he's in the timely fashion that he was expecting. So um, most recently uh, he was seen on video calling Daryl Morey a liar. Uh, in fact, doubling down, doubling down, down on it. Uh, saying Daryl Morey is a liar. I'll never play for organizations a part of. I repeat, Daryl Morey is a liar. I'll never play for organizations a part of again. Um, my my thing was the, the the whole context of it. First off, just seems so so weird because like, I mean, at at the end, I, I saw like a bit of an extended version. He's like. Uh, no more questions, like asking if there's any more questions. So like it leads me to believe that there was a question asked prior to that response that like made him say that, but like you don't ever see see anything about a, a question being asked or like hear a question being asked. So like I'm very curious to know like what even prompted him to to say that. Um because obviously he wasn't out of the blue. <laughs> and then it's like just the, like the whole circumstance as with it as well. Like he's at like a, he's in China. At like a brand event, so like, like none of it made sense at all to begin with. Um, but I mean, obviously, like he he isn't happy with with the Sixers. He isn't happy with how uh, Dale Morey has handled uh, Harden's free agency or you know trade request. Um, 
And I just saw actually that what he's saying Daryl Morey lied about was that when Harden hopped, opted in, Daryl Morey apparently promised to have him traded like pretty immediately. Um, almost as if like they kind of had uh, a trade set up prior um, and that it was going to be, you know, done deal as like pretty soon after Harden had uh, opted into the contract. Cause I believe he only opted in um, with the expectation that he was going to be traded. So that was the reason for him calling him a liar. So pretty nasty situation for, for Philly right now. And like as a Sixers fan, like we've kind of been through enough at this point. Um, and I'm not even really mad, like, or like frustrated with Harden because he's, this is essentially his third time doing something similar as far as like forcing his way out of a situation. Um, so like what reason would I have to be frustrated or mad at him? Like I'm more mad at the Sixers for like finding themselves in a situation like this yet again. It's like, they, they just like have mismanaged and like, just haven't done anything right for the past God knows how long. And like the opportunities have obviously been there. Like you went through the whole process phase. You had your first, your first overall picks with Ben Simmons, top three pick with uh, Embiid. And like the idea was like, Oh yeah, this is going (laughs) to work out. Then you had your chance with Angelo before. Yeah. God forbid I forget him. Um, Who else was was in that time? Nerland's Noel, which uh, I think he still might be around. Who knows? Um, but like everything, everything was set up for you to succeed, and you somehow still failed miserably. And like we're at this point where we're at right now. And like I've, I'm the type, um, in the end, we'll say in the uh, the old podcast days, the previous before our our, our new rebrand. Uh, I was always very optimistic about the Sixers, and it's like the first time in a quite some time where like I'm feeling like the optimism is kind of gone, like. I've my, my hope and and the faith I've had in them is kind of just drained out of me. Um, and I really don't see how anything positive comes from this situation because Harden's value is pretty much diminished. Um, not only like, is he an aging superstar and who's kind of going to be demanding a lot of money? Um, like he obviously hasn't been the best I'm not say locker room guy, but like when situations like this happens, like it, 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 it's never turned out well for the organization that he's a part of. So like, who wants to bring that upon their team as well? Because same thing might be happening in two years or however much of an extension he signs for, um, whatever the case is. Um, so his trade value is pretty much gone. So like, what are you going to get from him? I know the Sixers are kind of holding out because they're um, adamant on getting draft picks back or like a superstar of value back for him, but like. At this point, that isn't really a realistic option on the table right now. So, what are you going to settle for? Um, and then, like you look on, you look at, you know, what direction they could have headed in rather than hard. And like truthfully, like when they signed or they traded for hard, and I was like, yes, like this is the move they needed to make to like get over that hump. And like obviously, it was a total failure. But um, I was just watching something the other day, like about Tyrese Halliburton saying. Um, like he was almost like thought it was a done deal that he was headed to Philly, and apparently the deal fell through because Philly didn't want to give up uh, Matisse Thybul, who now isn't even isn't even on the team anymore. So it's like like it was like a package around Thybul, Simmons, um, a couple other role players, and Sixers would have got back Halliburton, Buddy Hield, and like 
Halliburton was saying he pretty much thought that was a done deal and he ends up with Indiana and was like, um, I mean, I'm, I'm again, I, I, in, in them, if had they made that trade rather than the Harden trade, I would have been like, bro, why wouldn't you want to get Harden? But like, that's also the reason why I'm not an NBA GM. Like, I feel like a NBA organization should, should kind of like foresee stuff like this potentially happening. Um, and, and, and account for that when like making a deal and like maybe understood, Hey, we probably should go for the younger talent, the younger upcoming talent, but like they wouldn't win now mode. I mean, hindsight is 2020, but all this is to say like, we're in such a shady spot right now. I, I mean, I don't see how anything good comes from this. And uh, yeah, for the first time in a long time, the Sixers have kind of just, they, 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 they've lost my interest. Like I'm 100% like in Eagles mode right now. I'm ready for the Eagles season to start. I'm ready to see the Eagles dominate the regular season, go to the postseason, win their Super Bowl. Um, that's in February, so Sixers will be like midway through their season. And at that time, I'm not gonna give a fuck about the Sixers at that point, unless they're like a top, top, top seed. Then I'm like, all right, they, things are going well. But like I really don't expect it at all, and like I don't know what to expect with the Sixers going forward. Um, but just based on their track record again with the process and like post-process days I, I just don't see them making the logical move or the right move even if there is a right move on the table because there might not be um, I just don't see anything good coming from again from this situation and that's exactly um, what we are the, the, the segment is misery corner and I'm a miserable Sixers fan right now I'm a miserable Sixers fan right now so and I'm not looking forward to What's to come, but well, just we'll to talk see. about the Sixers quick. We'll see. Um, like you said, what's going on in your end? It becomes like you know a blurry okay. line because, like, if he did, if Maury did promise Harden something, then just from like a business standpoint, like you would hope he'd keep his word or whatever. But like you said, like he's this is now the third situation where he's just done with the team, um, which I don't think is a very, you know. It's not a very good look for him. It's kind of telling of the type of guy he is. Um, but I will say, like, in sports, like, it's it's a cutthroat business. Like, players leave teams all the time. Like, GMs trade players out of the blue. Like, that's just how it is. It is. And, you know, it sucks. And I don't think the athletes get enough credit for, like, how hard their job is because it is a job. Um. Because, you know, you have to up and move your whole family. You sacrifice a lot. But, I mean, that's a conversation for another day. But I will say that, that things change. And yeah, at the end of the day, you kind of got to look out for yourself. So, like, I get where Harden's coming from. But if Daryl Morey's going to Harden or trade Harden um, for, you know, Terrence Mann or something like that, like, if he doesn't think he's going to get a good enough package back, and this year is a disaster. And like we've kind of alluded to before, like uh, Embiid wants out or something. Like that's Maury's job right there. He's done. Like you could be looking 12 months from now, Daryl Maury could be done. You know what I mean? Like if he yeah, doesn't get a for good job, package for Harden and they don't have a good enough team to put around Embiid to win now and Embiid yeah. gets disgruntled, then he's, he's done. So he has to get the value back for what level of player Harden is. Um, and like you said, I just don't know what the market is for him. Like how many teams realistically want an aging player at that number? You know what I mean? Like he's 
which like he's still good. He's proved that he could be more of a facilitator. I think he led the league in assists this year. And then in the play, like he was pretty good in the playoffs. I think he had a couple 40 point games against the Celtics, if I remember correctly. Um, so like, I still think he's a high level player. I don't think he's the best player on a championship team right now. He did. So he'd have to be, you know, a number two to somebody else. So I just don't know what the market is for him. And Maury just doesn't want to give him up for nothing. But do you think this gets ugly? Like, is this like a Simmons situation where he's just not playing? Or do you like, if you had to say right now, do you think they'll trade him before the season starts? If I had an answer, I would say, I would say no. Because I feel like the Sixers, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not just like, completely familiar with Maury's track record. I just record, don't think he's going like, to take a loss. That's the thing. He seems to come off like a, as a stubborn guy. And, like, I could see. Prove a point. Yeah. He's definitely not going to take a loss. And, like, I could also see him, like, holding on a hard end to, like, make some sort of point. To make, exactly, to make some sort of point. Um, which is weird considering they have history together. But, uh, no. Nah. I mean, pr- primarily, I think that he'll be. They won't trade him before the season because they're not going to settle. Um, and I, 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 I don't think that like a team would shy away from trading for him because of his contract now. But like, I think he is going to demand not max money, but he's going to demand a lot of money once he's a free agent next season. And like, why would a team want to give up a bunch of future assets for? A potential one-year rental who's going to, again, try to demand a, a more money than he's probably worth um, next offseason. So uh, I don't know what trade packages for Harden look like. And I don't think more again, I don't think Maury is just going to settle for anything. Like He's going to want something of value, um, something that's going to help the team in the future. And again, like he's fighting for his job more or less as well. So I think Harden will be, will, will be with the team um, – Come come to start of the season, whether or not he's playing or not, because like I know he's, <laughs> I might be like, not an exact quote, but something along the lines of like he's ready to make things uncomfortable, if need be, if need be, and like, I mean he's kind of already done it. He did it in Brooklyn. He did it in uh, in Houston. So like I don't see, I don't think he's just saying that just to say it. Like he might be saying it to kind of put pressure on the Sixers to like yo like make something happen. But um, if something doesn't happen, like I could definitely see him kind of going that route. And sitting out, doing doing whatever he's done in in the past. So, I think he'll be here. I don't think it's going to be a pretty situation, but we'll see, man. We'll we'll see. I'm not I'm not too fond of Sixers right now. Again, I'm all Eagles more right now. So that's that's where my uh, my sports like pride is going to be. Viral video of Philly fan perspective. So it's going to be all Darren Morey a liar, and then reiterating it is pretty uncomfortable already. I don't know what his plans are to make it more uncomfortable, but I I was kind of uncomfortable just watching the video. Yeah, it was really weird. I don't know what the setting was. And like to you, like didn't it seems like so orchestrated? Like oh, it almost I, seemed I, as yeah, if it was, was like playing, like playing, like 100%. all right, we're gonna we're gonna end this off by 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 making this statement. It, it was just such such a weird thing. Yeah. Like, and they made it look random by being at like a if a I had to Chinese, make a prediction on this on, uh, brand, on brand the situation I, I now, come it, up it right just, now. It was just we'll so move weird. On. So I would weird. say I don't think he gets traded before the season. I think he'll start the season on the team, but not playing. Uh, maybe it would be some torpo, some type of you know injury or whatever it will be. But um, he'll start the season with the team, 
and they'll struggle a little bit and Embiid will kind of put the pressure on the organization to make a move because he'll need because he'll just want the immediate help and want to move on and get something in there to help him out um more or less like I, I think that and we'll, like, and if we'll they're struggling without him then he's gonna right Embiid's gonna put the pressure on the organization like all right like I'm in my prime <laughs> here I'm an MVP like let's let's do something right now so that's what I would say Moving on to my uh, side of misery corner. Now, this is a little complicated for me. It's kind of hard for me to say. Um, but the New York Yankees have put me in misery corner. <laughs> and this is the first the first time in my life that I was more optimistic about the Knicks and the there? Giants than the Yankees. I never thought I would say something like that or think something like that. Um. It's like we're living in like the twilight zone or something. I don't know what the fuck is going on. And it's complicated. So there's a lot of different ways I want to bring this, but I'll start with this. I was never the biggest Aaron Boone guy. Um, but the way that baseball is played now and how analytical it is, I think that the organization is so heavily based in analytics that no matter what manager they bring in, it's going to come from above him you know what i mean like the front office and the guys crunching the numbers analytically are going to be the ones that i won't say make the decisions but you know basically make the decisions like obviously in terms of roster building that's how it's going to be and then day-to-day lineup wise i know that boone gets on his desk every game like what the optimal lineup for that day is you know it's up to his discretion to take that for what it is but it's just, like I said, it's just so analytical that I don't know. Like, I don't think they're going to bring in a 75-year-old old-school baseball manager that's going to get in guys' faces and sit guys. Like, it's just, we live in a different, like, sports landscape now. And you'll hear, like, older people that miss the old Yankees and shit that will say, oh, back in my day, like, so-and-so would bench. Like, But it's harder to do that now in the current sports landscape with, you know, player empowerment and everything, which... You know, I'm all for, but, um, and with how much money players are making and stuff, like, like, look at a guy like Aaron Judge. Now, he's the captain of the Yankees. He's not, like, a guy that half-asses anything, but say he were to half-ass or be in a bad slump or not, like, run out of ground ball, um, like, you're not going to bench a guy that makes $40 million a year. You know what I mean? Like, how long are you sitting a guy that, like, that's not going to, the organization's not going to be okay with that. Um, so it's a tough, it's like I said, it's a tough position to be in because I would imagine Aaron Boone's gone after this season. Um, but like I said, I just don't know. Yeah, I just, I just don't know. He took over a team that was one game away from going to the World Series and hasn't got that close since. You know, he's got to the ALCS a couple times, but he hasn't gotten that close since and hasn't been to the World Series. Um, so like I said, this will probably, he'll probably be done at the end of the season, but I just don't know what a better option is. Maybe just, I mean, obviously just have a new blood and a new voice in there will probably be like a breath of fresh air. And just by that sentiment will be better. But from an actual like operational standpoint, I don't think it'll be much better. Moving on to Brian Cashman, the GM. This is where it gets really tough because I might've said this to you already, but he hasn't done the best job with roster construction in recent years. And 
and the issue is that he's so close with the Steinbrenners. He's like a he's like a Steinbrenner himself. Like he's basically part of the family. Like they won't fire him. But you have to question: Is it time to move on? A lot of fans have kind of called for the Yankees to move on from him. Um, and there probably is someone better out there for the Yankees right now, because I'll I'll start with left field. The Yankees haven't had a fucking left fielder in like a decade. Like they'll take other position players and try to make them left fielders. Like yeah, you could say Brett Gardner, but like he's not. I love Brett Gardner. Everybody loves Brett Gardner. He's a fan favorite. But when you have the second or third highest payroll in baseball, Brett Gardner, you should be having. You should have a little bit of a better left fielder. And since since Brett Gardner, I mean, they've tried to make uh, Miguel Andujar a left fielder. They've tried to make Oswaldo Cabrera a left fielder. They put Jake Bowers in left field. You probably don't even know some of these guys. Um, they put Isaiah Connor for left foot in left field, who was their shortstop last year. Um, I mean, they tried, they got Ben Intendi last year, so that was an attempt to have a left fielder, but it's just, it's been such a glaring issue. How do you make so much money and spend so much money and you don't have a left fielder? It's fucking absurd. It's, it's absurd. Um, he's done a bad job with taking chances on older players that make a lot of money. And have not performed. Um, and are all falling off a cliff at the same time. He hasn't done a good job spending money. And where it gets tricky is. What other general manager in any American sport. Has had a run like him. Like. If you if I was to say to you like. Oh the Sixers or the Eagles. Whichever one you pick. They're going to go on a 30 year stretch. Where they're never going to go below 500 for 30 years. Now, granted, the Yankees haven't won World Series at the rate that they were winning them in 20 years, um, over 20 years now, actually. But And it's been 14 years since their last World Series. But to put out a competitive team that's literally been over 500 for 27 years or whatever it is, I believe, yeah, I think it's 27, 27 or 28 years in a row of being above 500 is absurd. It's unheard of. It's never happened. In American sports, like no other team is doing that, so you have to give him props for that. But it's just like, where does it become like a sentimental thing? Like, oh yeah, he's done so much, we got to hold on to him. And when does it become like we have to put ourselves in a better situation? It's where it becomes tricky. I mean, I don't know. Like, would you rather be in a position? I'll ask you. Would you rather be in a position like? the Astros or what the Royals did or what the Cubs did or what the Orioles are doing now, like be the worst team in the league for four or five years, come nowhere near being competitive or contending. And then you get that world series window where the Astros won two and the Royals won that one. The Cubs won that one. Like it's tough for a team. Like, like obviously you can't compare the Royals to the Yankees, but would you want to be a team like, like the Cubs in a big market or like the Astros, like you're going to have four or five years where you're in dead last, but then you have a championship window of seven or eight years where you might win a couple. And then after that, you're back into the, into the basement. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think that from a fan's perspective, I'm more, I mean, yeah, it's great to have a team that's competitive every single year. Um, but having those like prime championship windows that might last a couple of seasons, I think 
from a fan's perspective, would be more ideal. Like, I kind of feel like I went through that with the uh, Eagles, at least. Like they had their they had their runs in the in the two thousands, um, and then even like the um, Mike Vick years, like when Mike Vick came to the Eagles and whatnot, um, and then some down years. They come back. Uh, Mid mid twenty tens, late twenty tens, they end up winning the Super Bowl. After the Super Bowl, they kind of had uh, a down year or two with, with Wentz um, when he wasn't playing well. And now they're back to where they're at again. So like, not to the same extent where they had like multiple consecutive years of like being the worst team in the league. And it wasn't even like they were horrible. Like they weren't competitive. They weren't a champ- fighting for a championship. But I'd rather have those down years where you can retool and whatnot. Um, to have those prime championship windows then kind of be, I don't want to say stagnant because, I mean, you're still competitive, but like rather than yeah, just be so a consistently the expectations competitive are just so high team that, that really like, isn't going anywhere. I mean, I don't know which way. I, like, I would probably, way, like that's really I probably wouldn't the trade the last 15 years for what decade, it's been. Like, like obviously we haven't won the World Series, which is the goal and like the mission statement of the Yankee, Yankees and the expectations of the Yankees. But every single October that I could ever remember, for the most part, like I truly believed that the Yankees were going to win the World Series. And they've been in a position where they had a chance. So I got to go through that every single year. Now, when it's, when it's a disappointment, which more times than not, it has been, almost every year it has been, it hurts a little more. It's like, damn, again we lost. But the fact that we're even in that position, I feel like is a good thing. Like every single year we're there, every single year I have hope. Or like if you look at the Knicks, like – I've never, I've had hope, what, twice in my entire life. And like, I knew they weren't even going to win a championship that year, but it just feels so good because of what they're like right now, how I feel about the Yankees. I couldn't imagine four or five more years of this. I couldn't imagine being a last place team for four or five more years to get back to maybe winning a championship. You know what I mean? So like, I would probably rather take what we've had, but it just leads to to more disappointment, which is, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. See, you, you, you may, you made a point that I want to get at, and it was the expectation. The Yankees have the expectation to perform or compete for a championship every single year, even when the expectation maybe shouldn't even be there. And that's like a perspective that most other fan bases aren't going to have. Like a majority of fan bases aren't aren't going to every single season expecting their team to be competing for a championship um, potentially. And like rightfully – or unrightfully so, like the Yankees have had that expectation all the time. And I think it's more um, of, of of fans kind of leaning on that historic historic uh, legacy of the Yankees where it's like we're superior to everybody else. We're going to dominate. Like the, yeah. the Yankees, no no offense, but Yankees fans kind of deserve, deserve this right now. The Yankees fans are no different than like – I know they're kind of as a joke of like Yankees fans uh, or Lakers fans and they're Cowboys fans. Like they're all intertwined and not, not, not kind of like uh, basing that like to a T, but Yankees fans are like late are, are like Yankees fans where like, they expect to win every single season, even when the roster might not be a championship level roster. Uh, Cowboys fans expect to win every single season just because of like their legacy. And I, I think it's the same exact thing with the Yankees. And like, um, I'm not gonna say it's unfair to the team because I mean, they they are the Yankees, but like I don't think a fan Yankees fan should be going to every single year expecting that they're going to compete for a championship and is thinking that they're superior to everybody else because when you get to times like this, 
it fucking hurts. And I feel like everybody else well, in pain. I hear what you're saying. Watching and I their agree team to underperform. And I know I'm going to sound like a typical Yankees fan here. I, I, but like, I, 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 just, don't think, I just don't think that it's fair. The Yankees like fans kind of feel like they're, just the, like, they're I, I, mean, I don't want to say they're better, of, but they're of, just of history. the premier organization in sports. Like, yeah, the Lakers and the Cowboys and stuff. I, well, I know, but I'm like not even in terms of championships. Like, look at it's not even the past. Though. I'm not even talking about championships. But I'm they just are talking about contending. Like, they have been in contention for a World Let Series me, every yes, year, based the on their legacy. Or like the Lakers, yeah, the Lakers have the most championships and everything. You can't live in but the if past. You look at the man. late Kobe years with like the D'Lo draft, the Randall draft. Like, they were the dog shit. They were the worst team in the league for five years. You know what I mean? Like, the Yankees literally haven't had any stretch like that. The Yankees have actually been competing for a championship for 30 years in a row obviously it's it's discipline yeah i mean and, and it's i was gonna say like speaking about the lakers like it is a bit different because lebron came and like just baseball and basketball in general i mean obviously that, that dynamic is way different but like they kind of needed those years to retool a little bit those down years to get to the lebron years when they when they won a championship the yankees might need that and I feel like Yankees fans aren't accepting of that. Like their their whole mindset yeah. is like, no, we 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 can't we we can't stoop that low. We need to remain uh, superior to everybody else. And that just, I mean, unless the GM, like you mentioned, like he isn't he hasn't made the best signings. Like unless he's going to spend big money on guys, but I know people have been complaining about that as well. Like he's not. Uh, well, like you said, you can't really compare to, like, towards the right people, like making the right signings. But, but like, I feel like it's he's more do something like that to do that. In basketball, kind of need to because like you could only do what you could do, you know. What I mean, like there's I a salary take those, cap, those, those there's down no salary cap for, for a little so while. If you have unlimited money. That's just me. You could literally like you don't really have to tank. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like tanking is harder in ba- like I said. Like I'm not trying to compare baseball to basketball, but when like I said, like when you have unlimited money and no cap, like you really can do whatever the fuck you want, which you can't really do in any other sport. Spend it. Um, but like I said, Cashman. I'll ask you a question real quick. Aside so, from money, so this. What is like so? This is a good for question. Potential this is a, that they could sign with all the money you know, that they have. To spend. Where do we go from here? What is the Yankees' farm system so, looking like? Like, do they even have any prospects that are here to where potentially be with them? Be a, be I'm not a legacy say the organization's given up hope, but like we we're kind of on a realistic side of things with like 40 games left and 10 games out of the wild card. Like it's over. So they brought up their two top prospects, um, Oswald Peraza and Everson Pereira. So Peraza's an infielder, uh, Pereira's an outfielder. So they'll both get a lot of, Boone said they'll both get a lot of time. They'll be everyday players while they're here for the last month, month and a half, whatever it is. So Pereira, or yeah, Pereira will get some time in left field. So maybe he'll be the solution in left field. Um, and Peraza, he'll play a lot of infield. I mean, like, He's naturally a shortstop, which Anthony Volpe also is, who's like their rookie number one guy, um, who's been solid this year. I mean, defensively, he's been okay, shown good flashes, hasn't necessarily hasn't really hit for average, but he's hit for more power than I expected, and and stolen a lot of bases like like I expected. But they're gonna have to make a decision what they're gonna do with them, like where they're gonna play them. If they're gonna go Peraza at short, Volpe at second, or Peraza at second or third, Volpe at short. Um, so they ha- they brought up their two top guys, so they're kind of, you know, testing them out now and getting them ready for the big leagues. But the biggest issue with that is another difference between baseball and every other sport is when you have contracts that are so long, 
and you're spend, spending so much money on your best players, like Judge is making forty million a year, and Garrett Cole is making uh, like thirty six million a year. They're both on the wrong side of thirty, both in their prime, but both getting older. Like you can't really waste years starting guys and building around 22, 23 year olds that are three years away from being ready to win a championship when your two best players you're spending over $75 million a year on that are in their prime right now. And the window to win with them is shorter than what, you know, those young guys will be ready for. So it's yeah. a tough, it's a tough position they're in, in terms of a farm system. Uh, Cause they get, they do have young talent, but it's just, it doesn't really line up with their best players. Um, so looking ahead to free agency, I looked up what kind of the uh, the best free agents are. It's not a great class. Like Otani's obviously the free agent of all free agents, and I'll hold out hope for an absurd amount of money. And I'll still hold out hope that the Yankees will have a chance at him, but I don't think they're the favorite by any means. Um, but outside of that, there's not a lot that the Yankees could really do. Cody Bellinger is a free agent um, who's a guy that they were looking at at the deadline. Or he has a mutual option, actually, a team and player option um, after this season. He's a guy they were looking at the deadline, but the Cubs kind of decided to make a playoff push and hang on to him. He was, you know, MVP in, in L.A. and then had a, a few down years, but he's hitting like 320 or something now. And he has like lefty bat. He could be the left fielder. He would kind of be like the perfect fit for the Yankees. But after the season he's having this year, I don't know if he would demand too much money. Um, but outside of those guys, like there's not really many guys that really jump out to me that I would want them to go get. It's just like, I really think it's like a, I think they need to make some trades, honestly. Like, I don't know if they, there's there's a really tough spot, which is really why I'm so miserable because they really don't have any moves. That's the thing. Like they're in a bad spot and they don't have any moves. So Stanton, who I like Stanton over like you know all in all, and he's been great in the playoffs, but he's just always hurt and he can't really play the field anymore. His body's broken down on him, so he's an everyday DH type of guy where you probably yeah yeah dude he can barely fucking move. But I love Stan. I mean, as a player, like he's, you know, he is what he is. He's not what he used to be. But with Judge making this much money for this amount of time, and you saw he kind of, you know, it was a freak accident this year. But the injury he had where he he ran into the wall at Dodger Stadium and tore ligaments in his toe. You probably want to start DHing him a little more to kind of, you know, for longevity reasons. But after this year, they have Stan at four more years, making $32 million the next two, $29, and then $25 million. And then a club option the year after that, which they probably won't pick up at $25 million and when he's 38 years old. But that's a hard contract to move because the production isn't what it used to be, and that's a lot of money. Then you got Rizzo. Rizzo makes $17 million a year. He, you know, after next year it goes to a club option. So they could be done with him after next year, but I want to, I want to, you know, I want, I want to say his struggles this year have been because of the head injury. I know you don't follow the Yankees super closely, but he has like, they're calling it like post concussion syndrome or something like that, where he got hit, like he got kneed in the head 
um, like in May and was in a slump. Like he had, there was a stat like Joey Gallo is like one of the most hated Yankee players ever. Um, and he had like a one month stretch that was worse than any stretch that Joey Gallo ever had as a Yankee. Like he was absolutely abysmal. Now I would like to chalk that up to like, he actually has some like concussion and head issues. So maybe that maybe next year he'll be better, but, uh, that's going to be a hard contract to move. Then you got DJ in the Mayhew. He makes 15 million a year and he's got three more years left on his deal after this year, making 15 mil. Uh, that'll be his age 35, 36, and 37 seasons. And I don't know what the hell happened to this guy. Like, he was, like, the ultimate utility guy. He could play first, second, or third. Um, and he was never a power hitter, so you would assume that he would – he was always a contact hitter, so you would always assume that he would be able to, you know, still be a contact hitter as he's aged. But I think he was, like – I think he was the only guy, if not, like, one of, like, two or three guys ever to win the batting title in the AL and the NL. Um, so three years ago, he batted 364 and won the batting title, was third in MVP voting for the uh with the Yankees. Then he batted 268 the following year, 261 and batting 240. Um and like has kind of been banged up. And with Damn. you're bringing up Peraza and he's gonna play third, and you're bringing Rizzo back next year, he's gonna play first, and Stanton's got a DH. Like, there's just not enough spots for these guys. Um, Severino has also been a nightmare. I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent now, but it's just like, if you know, you know, there's so many different issues going on between LeMahieu and Rizzo and Stan and Severino and the pitching staff. If it was healthy, would actually probably be solid. Cole's having probably his best year as a Yankee might win the Cy Young and they're wasting it completely, which oh, hurts. It's a safe space. But you bring in Rodon, who they signed to like, I think it was six years, 162 mil. Um, coming off two all-star years where last year with the Giants, he was 14 and eight with a two, eight, eight ERA the year before he was 13 and five with a two, three, seven with the White Sox this year. He's only pitched in six games and is one and four with a seven, three, three ERA. You know, if he was healthy the whole year, missed spring training. So it was a little late start for him, but if he was healthy the whole year, I'm sure he'd be better. Nestor Cortez been banged up all year. Severino is one of the worst pitchers in the league. Herman's had one of the weirdest years ever throwing a perfect game. And now he's never going to pitch again on the Yankees. It's just like, it's always been in my mind, like the pitching was the issue before and like the 27, 27, uh, 27, what am I saying? 2017 team, 2019 team. The pitching was kind of the issue. Now, like the pitching, if healthy, I think would be solid. The bullpen's <laughs> real solid, but the offense is just so shit. And with no moves to make, it's just, it, it is what it's misery corner is what it is. I don't know where they go from here. I really don't know where they go from here because they can't wait. Like you said, like they might have to rebuild, but you can't waste Cole and, and judges primes. You know what I mean? Like these are two of the best players of the generation on long-term deals, misery making a corner. lot of money and you're going to have to pay them either way for a long time when they're getting old. So you kind of have to compete when you have them in their prime. You can't waste it. You can't. So I don't know what the moves are, but they got to move all like. And what the, what the fuck did they do at the deadline? They had the best bullpen in baseball, and all they did was add two bullpen arms. Made no moves to get any bats. They probably should have traded Severino, maybe even traded Bader because they're both in walk years. Like, I think the team's going to look a lot different next year. 
Um, and I, I just, I don't know where they go from here, but it's, it's going to look a lot different. Like, I don't think Cashman's gone, but I think there's going to be a new manager. The roster is going to look a lot different. And I just hope for my sake, for Yankees fans sake, I just hope that this team doesn't let me down, which they have been all year. Yeah. Like I said, I think that the Yankees need a retool and that might come with like some down years. I don't necessarily, I don't want to say rebuild. I feel like rebuild is like an extended thing. Like uh three, four, five plus year type of thing. Um, but a retour, they might not compete for a championship for a season or two. Still, I guess competitive, but maybe not competing for a championship. Um again for a year or two and then they that year three, like they're ready again to compete. So it's still quality enough team where you might find enjoyment in watching them. They're not going to be the worst team in the league, but Baseball's they need to have again, just some, just some new like, pieces. I know so. we're kind of beating a dead horse You here, said you don't know what, you don't know what the direction NBA or the NFL can head in what moves they can make. Year, you get a top three pick and then you see them that but, year. Uh, like if they, I'm glad you have to get that off your chest. The Yankees, the New York Yankees. That was a bit. But like if they did ever hypothetically try to rebuild through the draft, like you're looking at four to six years before you ever see your draft picks in the big leagues and like to sit like you're not just gonna yeah, I'm not take some time. at least me I'm not watching a 162 game season for a team that's pissed for I'm not like the NFL or something you got a young rookie quarterback I mean well like I'm just saying like the Texans this year the Texans yeah. are in a rebuild if you're a Texans fan you watch 17 games CJ Stroud like it's only 17 games you're watching once a week they probably lose most of their games but you see you see such a here and there, some good stuff you could do it but for a hundred game season that lasts for six months through the dog days of summer and shit, like you could be spending your time doing a lot better things than watching a piss poor organization. Which the Yankees are not a piss poor organization by any means, but a rebuild is just tough. I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not for a rebuild. I, I mean, I don't know what what the answer is. But thank you for sitting with us through Misery Corner here. Uh, we'll take a, we'll take a quick break and then wrap up. You can continue to follow. Uh, follow us on socials. The Instagram handle is the Catch Podcast One. Please continue to follow that. Uh, share it when we post an episode. Share it on your stories. Whatever you could do to help support the pod, we greatly appreciate. Um, follow us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, however you consume podcasts. That would be great. And lastly, the mailbag. Um, the email is the Catch Show One at gmail.com. Send us any feedback, questions. Whatever it is, positive, negative, we'll read it on the show. We will, you know, take it and, and try to, if it's some type of feedback, whether it be criticism or praise, we'll take it and try to build off of it or try to improve whatever it is. And if not, we'll, you know, check out whatever you're sending to us. So, again, just continue to support. I appreciate the support. Any, uh, any parting words? Man, same old, same old. Appreciate the support as always. I uh, harp on this all the time, man. Send us, send us a suggestion. Let us know what you want to talk about it, what you want to hear from us. Um, we're going, we're going to talk about it for sure. Um, but you know, appreciate y'all listening. And I'm let everybody know right now since uh, it's been it's been confirmed hot dogs aren't aren't too much of an indoor food. I'm about to go enjoy two hot Next dogs week. right now. I'm, I'm gonna pre pause that statement. I'm about to go enjoy two hot dogs right now because I'm I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. <laughs>